morning, our scripture comes to us from the book of Jeremiah. I'll be reading from the very first chapter, beginning with the fourth verse. Now, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a boy, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, Lord, this morning, even as you have spoken to us so powerfully throughout this service, we ask now that as your word has been read and as it is proclaimed, that you would speak your words of life into our hearts. Use my words or speak in spite of my words, but we await a word from you. And this morning, we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, this is the second Sunday of our new series called Who Are You? Uh, where we're looking for our identity um, through Scripture. We're often told who we are and what we should be through our culture, our world, our media, through other people. But we want to look at Scripture. Last week, we were reminded that, um, that we are beloved children of God. And we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on as we run this race of faith. And that our job is to focus on Jesus and not on all those other things that distract or weigh us down. And today, as we look at the prophet Jeremiah, we, we want to look at, at this as we start, seek to find another meaning of our identity. And so we look to Jeremiah. Jeremiah lived, you see, in, in turbulent times. He was a prophet in Judah, so that's the southern kingdom after the two kingdoms had split. He was a prophet in Judah during the late 7th and the early 6th century B.C. And he lived to witness the fall of Jerusalem to the Babylonian Empire in 586 B.C. And he tr experienced tremendous personal turmoil and rejection um, through his whole uh, life and ministry. And, and it, that is how it goes for prophets in times of great political turmoil and great personal turmoil, that it's really difficult to be the one speaking the words that people need to hear versus the words that they so desperately want to hear. And so what strengthened Jeremiah for the work that he was called to do? And, and what can we, living some 2,600 years later, gain from a closer look at these opening words of the book that bears Jeremiah's name? We read, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations, known, consecrated, and appointed, all before Jeremiah even began to live into his life story. You might call that the great before. The truth is, our identity as well 
is found in this great before. Jeremiah's and our identity, it didn't begin with Jeremiah, nor does it begin with us. It begins with God. God is the great before. We are known before we know. And it's really a mistake to start our own story with us as the central character. God, you see, is the center from which all life develops. The psalmist says this beautifully in one of my very favorite psalms, Psalm 139, as he marvels at God's intimate knowledge of him and says, For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. The practical result of this realization that we are part of God's larger story, that we no longer have to run here and there, panicked and anxious, searching for answers in life or the answers to life, because our lives are not puzzles to be figured out. Instead, we come to God, who already knows us and who reveals the truth of our lives to us. We entered, you see, into a world that we didn't create. We grow into a life that has already been provided for us. We arrive into this complex of relationships with other wills and other destinies that are already fully operational before we were ever introduced. And to live appropriately, we must be aware that we are living in the middle of a story that was begun and will be concluded by another. And that other is God. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. Consecrated, that, that means set apart for God's purposes, for God's side. Humans, you, you and I, we're not just some cog in the great wheel of the universe. We're not some pieces on a chessboard that are, that are played out by the circumstances of our life. We, like Jeremiah, are consecrated. We are set apart for something important that God is doing. We are chosen. Eugene Peterson, a great theologian, a minister, an author, he wrote the message translation of the Bible. He died last year, but he wrote this moving piece in his book, Run with the Horses, about what is the important work that God is about and that we have been set apart to do with God from before our birth. Peterson writes, what is God doing? He is saving he is rescuing, he is blessing, he is providing, he is judging, he is healing, he is enlightening. There is a spiritual war in progress, an all-out mortal battle. There is evil and cruelty, unhappiness and illness. There is superstition and ignorance, brutality and pain. And God is in continuous and energetic battle against all of it. God is for life and against death. God is for love and against hate. God is for hope and against despair. 
God is for heaven and against hell. There's no neutral ground in the universe. Every square foot is contested. And Jeremiah, from before he was born, was enlisted on God's side in this war. He wasn't given a few years in which to sort of look around and make up his mind about which side he wanted to be on or if he wanted to join any side at all. He was already chosen as a combatant on God's side. And so are we all. No one enters existence as a spectator. We either take up the life to which we have been consecrated or we traitorously defect from it. You and I, each of us has a consecrated, a set-apart place that only each of us can fill. No one can replace this. Before you or I were good for anything, God decided that we were good for what God was doing. We are called. God is out to win the world in love. And each person has been selected in the same way that Jeremiah was, to be set apart, to do it with him. He doesn't wait to see how we'll turn out to decide whether to choose us or not to choose us. Before we were born, he chose us. He consecrated us. I appointed you we read, a prophet to the nations. And the third reality of our identity, we are known, we are consecrated, and we are appointed. A divine appointment. The word for appointed literally means gave. And so a proper reading of that verse would be, I gave you as a prophet to the nations. God gave Jeremiah away. And God gives us away as well. We are appointed, we are given up to be a part of what God is up to. It is, after all, God's nature to give. He is generous. He is lavishly generous. Before Jeremiah ever got it all together, he was given away. That's God's way. He did it with his own son, Jesus. He gave him away. He gave him to the nations. He didn't keep him on display. He didn't preserve him in some museum. He didn't show him off as a trophy. No, God so loved the world that he gave his son so that no one needs to perish. That by believing in him, everyone can have full, authentic, abundant life now and forevermore. God gives us away to his purposes. He who is the ultimate giver invites us to participate in his giving. God created the world, God sustains it, and giving is the way of the universe. And when we try to live by grasping and holding on instead of by giving as we are created to be, we're, we're going against the grain. It's like struggling against the laws of gravity. But when we can see all of life as a gift and offer our lives as a gift as well, then we are in sync with God. Our life 
is for others. Some of us try desperately to live for ourselves. And honestly, we look pretty pathetic when we do that. Hanging on, hoarding, afraid to risk. We don't think that we can live generously because we haven't tried it. But the sooner we start, the better. For we are all going to have to give up our lives finally. And the longer we wait, the less time we have for the amazing and freeing and abundant life of grace. Now, when Jeremiah was first called and set apart, he did what many of the prophets that we read and, and many of us do. He said, uh, Lord, <laughs> I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. He pled inadequate for the job. Choose someone else. Don't choose me. We, too, are practiced in pleading inadequacy in order to a living in order to avoid living the best that God calls us to. I can't because I'm too young. I'm too old. I don't have enough education. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough training. I don't have enough confidence. Or like Moses, I don't know how to speak. It's too much. I can't manage. We are inadequate to the task. And it's true. We are inadequate. Life is too much for us. Living in awareness and responsiveness to God, in attentive love to the people around us, and in reverent appreciation for the world in which we live, all of that exceeds our capacity. There's an enormous gap between what we think we can do and what God calls us to do. And yet God's call is insistent, as it was with Jeremiah. Don't say I'm only a boy. You will go where I send you. You will speak what I command you. Don't be afraid, for I am with you to deliver you. It's God's story after all. He's the beginning of it and will be the end of it. Jesus' disciples at, that we find at the very end of the Gospel of Matthew, they were at a similar kind of a place. They had received so much through their time with Jesus, so much they learned so much, they had witnessed so much, their faith in him had grown so much. But, but now, following his resurrection and as they're with him for a final time on the mountain, now they were being commanded to go. Jesus had called them. Now he was consecrating them and appointing them to join God's greatest purposes. Go, therefore, we read, into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. My guess is they felt pretty inadequate <laughs> for that. Um, just as Jeremiah did, just as we do, when we are faced with living out God's greatest purposes. And Jesus told them what God had told Jeremiah and that God still tells us. The answer to our inadequacies is not found in waiting until we're good enough or smart enough or have time enough. The answer is, and remember, 
I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Who are you? What is your true identity? You are known before you know. You are chosen before you choose. You are called, you are appointed to be given away for God's great purposes in the world. And we can live out this true identity without fear, remembering it's God's story after all, and that it's God who promises to go with us. Let us pray. Gracious God, Lord, in the quiet moments, we hear your nudge, we hear your call, we see your invitation to live lives of great meaning, to be a part of what you are already doing in our world. Help us believe it. Give us confidence to join with you in all the ways that you are at work, trusting in your promise to always be with us and knowing that that is enough. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.